Welcome one, welcome all to another edition of the Any Given Thursday podcast. David, we've just completed our second group stage um, in these competitions as a podcast. How does that make you feel? It's really, it's even better the second time. It just gets sweeter and sweeter. I think so too. I think we we lasted longer this time. Yeah. Um, let's jump right into it because we're not ones for small talk. No, um, we only do big talk. We only do big talk on this podcast. Uh, and speaking of big, uh, Mikhail Antonio, <laughs> no, you don't think he even played today. Um, or did he? No, he didn't. Yeah. He might be hurt. Is he hurt? I don't know. I haven't been following him domestically hurt. at all. So I think he's hurt. Yeah, fuck domestic football. We don't we don't exactly. like domestic football on this podcast. Anyway, group A, uh, to the victor go the spoils. West Ham qualifies for the round of 16. All they had to do was not lose against Freiburg. And boy, did they not lose against Freiburg. Mm-hmm. They uh won 2-0, but it felt like a more commanding victory than that. It was uh pretty much um in their control from the outset, especially the first half in which Freiburg barely had a kick in the box. And West Ham was really, uh, really taking it to him. Uh, it could have been three or four, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, Freiburg never looked like they were going to score to West Ham. No, I think they hit the post in the second half, but West Ham just did a great job of defensively. I thought they really forced play over to the right hand side. If you look at the shot map mm-hmm. on this game, I think. Yeah, only one shot. That's pretty wild. On the entire left hand side. Yeah, and we know seems that... like a, it seems like clear intent. Yeah, and especially against Freiburg, who like to attack down the left, right? Because Grifo is so dangerous, curling, cutting in from over there. Uh, Gregorish naturally drips over that side. Gregorish. So they really, I think, went out of their way to force him over to the right into Aguirre and Emerson, who were massive today mm-hmm. or Thursday. It's we're recording on Sunday. Thursday. Uh, and then West Ham in the midfield. Obviously, we're great. Edson Alvarez, player of the match, probably hands down. Yeah, both the new boys this year scored, Hudus and Alvarez. Both from? Ajax. Yes, who even before coming into Thursday were already eliminated from the Europa League. So Mm. maybe uh, I actually held out for a little more. And that uh, that Alvarez goal, 42nd minute, Mm -hmm. one of the best goals I saw today. Just lovely uh, lovely play through the middle, a little give and go into the box. Yeah. Jerry Bowen had a nice game. Uh, Paquetta hit the fir- hit the post before they even scored in the first half from a thumping effort. Yeah, everything just looked like this looks like a this looked like a team that was like that has indeed been in the Europa and the Conference League the last two years and just sort of Understood. can manage the manage the stakes pretty yeah. comfortably. They look like like a real threat to advance again, um, just with some of the talent they have and some yeah. of the experience they have. It was really interesting too because I mean if you look at the West Ham lineup, they don't have. A natural striker in there without Antonio. Yeah, without Antonio and Danny yeah. Ings, I guess, came on late, right? Yeah. But they went with a more fluid front three today. Yeah. And I think it did wonders with the midfield, allowed them to kind of like interchange. Like that's part of what led to the Alvarez goal was he was taking up a very deep position most of the game, but suddenly burst forward and Freiburg had nobody to mark him, nobody to really stop him giving yeah. it away. I think uh we probably owe David Moyes a little bit of uh a little bit of praise um, for being able to, for, you know, formerly maybe being one of the last remaining stubborn people, um, at least in coming from the Premier League, mm-hmm. you know, one of those yeah, last like old school Premier League guys. Those old English managers who just yeah. play, you know, 4 4 2, hoof in, chase yeah. the ball. And, he can, and he's still very happy to hoof things to Antonio when he's there. Yeah. But uh, now that they have, I think they've done such a nice job with recruitment the last two years that they have really technical players who can be flexible. Now we can, you know, they had more than more of the ball than Freiburg did today. You know, Freiburg partially, you know, is comfortable playing both ways too. But, you know, I don't think we would have seen this even like a year or two from this West Ham team, like out possessing and just controlling the pace of the game with the ball. It's kind of fun to see. And we talk I'm sure Hammer fans are thrilled. We talked about this in the preview, but... Uh, or like the preview to the group stages when we were talking about West Ham was just like the experience that they have in Europe now from one, the players that they kept, but also then the players they brought in were all guys who had good European experience and could be James relied on in these Got games. relegated last year. Yeah. Well, I was, yeah. I was no, talking I more about I'm Alvarez kidding. and Kuda in particular. Yeah, for sure. Um, Just guys that, you know, you can plug in proper pedigrees and they know mm-hmm. how to play in Europe already. Mm-hmm. And then you can bleed in guys like Ward Prowse, who are now in an environment of play people yeah. who know how to play twice a week. Yeah. 
Paqueta is just like good too. Yeah, he's, yeah, I, just, we we been talking about this since the moment they signed him last year. We're like, he has no business signing for West Ham. He's way like he's way too good for. I, so I felt the same way about Kudus. I was like, what really West Ham? Yeah. Like he he could have deserving of this spot now. I think wish he went to Spurs themselves yeah. as a competitive team here. Those are guys that would have taken on Tottenham, you know. Yeah. Um. Elsewhere in the group, Olympiacos made sure they went through third. Yeah. They into needed the, to just not lose. Not lose to a uh, Bakatopola or Batska Topola, however yeah. you want to pronounce so it. Is what I keep and, hearing on Galatsu. So yeah. To shit, they just about. I'd yeah. say they just about managed that. Yeah. Putting five. I will say, for in terms of Baka Baka Topatopola, that they uh, have been, in one way, one of the more surprising teams, despite only picking up one point mm-hmm. and getting outscored by 13 goals in this group. They've actually been competitive in almost all of their games. And even a game like today where they shipped five, they had, um, you know, they, they brought it back to 3-1 and then 4-2. You know, they... they they're going for it a little bit. Yeah. They can rack up a few chances. They played West Ham close in multiple games. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they've just looked like they're, they, they've done a better account of themselves than There's you a, would have expected. Obviously, eight teams finished last. Bakatopla was definitely not the worst of those eight teams. They were just in a very difficult group with two teams that are coming in expectations to get deep, yeah. deep into this competition. But no Bray the Blick. And Olympiacos, who... <laughs> are a pretty strong team to be third. Yeah. Right? Like, I they, think this was a good marker of what they could do yeah. to teams in the conference. I mean, they're actually pretty close to the worst team in the Europa League, but just well, from a point total. Yeah. Sure, well, like, no, I'm just like, like, who's worse? Like, Sturm Hecken, maybe? Hecken were definitely the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Sturm Graz is better than them. I don't know. Sturm Graz is like a point I'm, behind point behind uh, Salzburg in the in the title hunt yeah, in Sturm Austria. In Europe. Though. They weren't so great. Um, like, how both look terrible. But anyway, this group ends... Basically, how it should have West Ham first, Freiburg second, Olympiacos third, and uh, the Bosnia newbies, Serbian Serbian newbies. That was you just started international conflict. I just started international conflict. I was thinking of uh, Zrinski, yeah. um, which we'll get to later. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, so that finished how we not so surprising. No, yeah, it's, it's kind of how we thought it would go. Group. I think the only question was. Freiburger, West Ham, and West Ham definitely deserve to go through first. Indeed. Last game. Um, why don't we move on to Group B, Let's do which it. was our perceived group of death yeah. coming into the competition and played out for a couple of weeks sort of like that until it kind of shaped up in the last few match days. Mm-hmm. We knew who already who was going through first and second, um, but not what order. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, first versus second and third versus fourth were to play for. Um, Brighton comes out with a narrow 1-0 win against Marseille, an 88th-minute winner from Joao Pedro that was notably not a penalty. I'm pretty sure that was his first non-penalty goal for Brighton of the competition. Very possible. Uh, of which he is joint top scorer. Fantastic. They've gotten a lot of penalties. And to be fair, Joao Pedro has won pretty much yeah. all of them. They just so, give a like, lot of penalties in Europe now. That's yeah. just the way it, like, and Joao everything a, is a penalty. He's a very now. crafty dribbler. He gets into the box. He gets in mm-hmm. dangerous spots. And teams, just for some reason, like to reach in on. Yeah. <laughs> they really well, like to stick their foot out at and This was a proper goal, though. Mm-hmm. Um, And it was probably just about what Brighton deserved. Marseille tried a tactic in which they didn't really play for they a while. Really parked the bus. They, they do, parked they the bus pretty hard. And just kind of yeah. sat. A draw would have gotten them back. through first. Um, And they were, to the, be fair, they were quite close in achieving that. You know, Brighton racked up some chances, but not mostly not uh, fantastic ones. Uh, Marseille hit the post in the first half on a ridiculous deflected shot that would have been incredibly lucky. And in the second half, on actually a nicely worked uh move uh, that hit the inside post. So they yeah, could have the they could have gone up 1-0 in like the 70th minute or whenever that was. And, and it was uh, the 60th minute. Yeah. It was the 69th. Oh, I was thinking of the Herrett one from slightly earlier. Uh, ah, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, uh, Klaus's one was just off the post. Yeah. So they, you know, they, it almost worked for them. Um, again, they almost held out with a clean sheet, which would have been enough either way. But, uh, Brighton had just enough, um, big moment for the very biggest ever moment in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we should give Brighton some credit after 
former European champion. Yeah. As controversial as that title might and, be. And French champion. Yeah. Um, you give Brenton some credit for starting. Um, this group that, you know, they had high expectations. I'm sure a lot of people were picking them first in this group. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but it's hard to come in and be a new boy in any European competition. Yeah. And uh, they started winless in their first two. Um, still able to get through first in the group. That's a pretty, pretty, um, pretty large accomplishment. They won four straight. Yeah. And um, still to close hard. out. It's still a pretty tough group. It's Super tough, tough group. Especially. Yeah. I mean, Marseille looked like a pretty solid team again this year. And three of um, them toughest away atmospheres in theory. And except when, you know, at the start of the the group stage, Marseille like almost imploded yeah. uh, with fan protests and Ajax became is like worst team they've had in, you know, hundreds of years. Yeah. So it probably didn't end up being like the way it is probably didn't end up being as difficult as they could have been. But mm-hmm. in theory, yeah. these are not easy places to play. Mm-hmm. Um, And they handled everything pretty, pretty comfortably. Now, I'm, I'm not sure I would call Brighton a favorite uh, in this competition, like, maybe secondary or tertiary. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think they're going. They're not going to be in that top group where Liverpool, Leverkusen, and maybe yeah Milan. Are, I don't, I don't really think Milan they have like the two A 2A group uh-huh. of like favorites. I don't it really think like they Liverpool have the. I mean, far. I don't. Yeah, I just don't think they have the experience to actually win more than maybe one or two rounds in the knockout groups. But yeah. finishing first helps because um, they skip around. They yep. skip the first round uh, against the Champions League teams, um, and you know who knows. Uh, Marseille, meanwhile, will be a bit of a tricky opponent for whoever draws them. I don't think anybody wants to go to the Velodrome, but I wouldn't be particularly scared of them as a squad. Um, but we'll see. Uh, this probably ended up being about right overall. Meanwhile, Ajax... I was, I was surprised by Marseille's defensive efforts, though, because yeah. individually, I don't particularly love any of their defensive yeah. players. And what we've seen from them but before, good, so, they probably can't do both. They probably yeah. can't be expansive like they were in those Ajax games. And also and also defense, defensively sound. Yeah. And I think Gattuso just chose we're going defensively sound. It was practical. It's what they needed. Is the better opportunity than trying mm-hmm. to get in a shootout. And it's it what just, they needed. It was fair. Yeah, they almost pulled it off. So yeah. I want to give Gattuso a little credit there, even mm-hmm. though they did lose. And we all know that's Brighton's weakness and chance creation is against the look like that's very well known at this point they're working on it yeah. whatever it was the why it was the practical thing to do yeah. uh elsewhere ix jumps athens like athens mm-hmm. to move to third they needed to win they did 3-1 at home um uh, it was 1-1 until the 56th minute but ix did have you know uh the better of the chances today um and a bit of a shame for athens because they were so competitive at times in this group and they just didn't pick up points where you think they maybe yeah. deserve to. And um, was, they got off to such a great start. Four points from their first two games. And yeah, winning at Brighton. Four straight losses. Yeah. All of which were relatively competitive games until mm-hmm. maybe this one. Like, this might yeah. be the game that they most soundly lost. Yeah. And that kind of speaks volumes, I think, to how competitive they were mm-hmm. in each individual game, but just couldn't get the mm-hmm. results you need in a group stage yeah we should give ix some credit too they finally righted the ship thanks Under... from john von ship did you say he righted yeah he, yeah. he righted it he righted the ship ship right uh um, but yet they are now climbed up to fifth, fifth. Yeah. that's because there's only five good teams in the in holland to be fair yeah they're in, they weren't gonna lose out to go ahead eagles as much as we love them no um, um but yeah it's kind they're of still there how quickly yeah. they shot up this table it is, but to so, get into the Champions League spots, they still have quite a lot of work to do. Yeah. Uh, the title is gone because they're 23 points behind PSV, who is literally perfect. Perfect, which we'll, we should talk more about. Unfortunately, yeah. they're not in Europe, so we can't. Oh, yeah. they, they are in Europe, but, but not, not in our Europe, Europe. Yeah. which we don't count. Yeah, That's not Europe. That's bullshit. Yeah, uh, yeah They're having the season, season to remember run by an American right now. Uh, fielded three Americans. Very exciting time for PSV and America. Um, Ajax, though, has uh, on their I think seventh or eighth manager this this fall have uh, this fall season have embraced youth, which is always the smart thing to do as an Ajax team. Yeah, uh, Ajax. except for Chuba Akbom, who's twenty eight. But other than that, you know, they got their starting guy like Kenneth Taylor in the midfield, twenty one. The Icelandic midfielder uh, Hilsen, he's nineteen. Uh, hero they started a seventeen year old center back. Joral Hato, twenty. Yeah, is Brian Brody? He's still only twenty-one, which is crazy. Twenty-two-year-old goalkeeper, like there's just and a twenty-year-old right back wrench. Their there's third like, oldest player is Josep Sutolo, who is a noted young mm, player. Yeah, 
So, you know, they've done it and they have that that Georgian kid people. Oh, he's, only, he's 23 now. Never mind. He's not yeah. George. Um, so actually lose maybe losing some of their, um, you know, I know I know that uh, Bergvine is out mm-hmm. and he's kind of been captaining them. But I think sort of embracing this uh, this youthful transition is probably the right move, yeah. um, given where they were at a month or two ago. And so, especially, you know, in the conference league, I think it's a good chance to put yeah. a spotlight on some of those kids to yeah. I mean, it's ISA foster and then sell youth all yeah. the time. I think it's a good chance to and uh, the conference league here. is uh honestly, I mean, I think they'll still challenge for like that third spot. And then I don't think they'll be able to catch like um obviously not PSV or Feynord. Um they're just too stable and solid. I mean, they could catch five out. I kind of doubt it. Yeah, they, points. They're going to be trying to go after third, I think. But you know, if they were to win the conference league, it would guarantee them Europe. at least a European group stage spot, which otherwise they'd have to qualify. Yeah. So, um, something to consider for them. Um, I think that'll actually probably be, a, as you said, a good opportunity for some of those kids. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Group C, where yeah. the first game saw Sparta Prague take on Aris Limassol in. Cyprus, I believe. Limassol, Cyprus. That's the name of yeah. the city, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Cyprus. Um, you got it. <laughs> yeah. Sparta Prague were pretty dominant in this one. They won 3-1. Could have been more. Yeah. Aris got a late consolation goal. This was just a sound thrashing from Sparta, which assured their progression and put a lot of pressure. A bit of a surprise. On the game in Spain where Betis and Rangers were playing. Yeah. We kind of, you sort of figure before the, you'd think this would be a competitive group 1-3-3, three, three, but... I always assumed Betis would be the one coming out top. Mm-hmm. Um, Betis had to not lose to ensure that. Luckily, they're at home. They hadn't lost at home in a long time. But then they did just that. Rangers securing their first win against the Spanish side in Spain. Wow. Which not their first ever hard win in to Spain. believe. Also Only their weird. second win in Spain. Second though. ever win in Spain. They won the 19, I think it was 1972, mm-hmm. Cup Winners' Cup in Barcelona. It's kind of amazing that that's the case, given that, like, in the They're 60s and 70s, how time. competitive yeah. they were, and that they might not just get one in the Europa I'm, League yeah. or something in the in the past, but nope. Um, and what a game it was. This was probably the game of the day in yeah. either competition. It was straight from the get-go, it was like wide open uh fields of fields of open mm-hmm. space to attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and it went back and forth right away. Um, Rangers opened the scoring on what I have to say seemed to be a mistake from the goalkeeper and the defense. Yeah, um, I do think Dessers does a great job of setting Sima up mm-hmm. for that goal, like just that little layoff. Yeah, but they're in the he position because because space. Silva isn't really sure where to lump it. Yeah, he puts, he gives it, he turns it over, um, to back to Rangers in their in their own defensive half. Yeah, I and, think it was Tavernier. Yeah, right Tavernier winning yeah. it back. Um, and then you know Juan Miranda, he's the local boy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh comes in from the he starts a move um in kind of a similar position. It's a ball one back. Um, in the Rangers defensive half, he starts the move. He finishes it with a lovely, uh, low corner, uh, hit, uh, just a few minutes later makes it one, one Rangers responds in the 20th, uh, Real Betis responds, well, Real Jose Perez in the 37th minute on a little with the Rangers response. The sure. goal there was absurd. He sits Rocca down. That's like true. A simple little. But shoulder pain, it's such a great part of the point I was I would be building towards here is that um Perez also comes off a nice move uh, for the second equalizer where he curls it inside foot Mm -hmm. opposite corner. But um while Betis was actually playing some pretty nice football in these buildups, they their weakness here was giving up really soft situations. Like, yes, the Dessers goal was really high quality individually, but it comes from a throw at midfield. Yeah. And like Two touches later, Dessus has his 1v1 on the left side of the box. Yeah, he, like, cutting inside, he sits two people down, basically. One literally on his ass. Yeah. And then finishes through Silva's legs. And it's a brilliant moment of individual quality, but it should never amount to that. Like, And between that and the and the giveaway in the first goal, they kind of, like, dug their own grave for yeah. chances conceded in the first half. Um, Otherwise, they should have been up two goals, frankly. Yeah, and... Um, um... Yeah, I like you said, Betis did a much better job of like building their chances and playing like aesthetically yeah. pleasing football. This is um, kind of the problem with the Pellegrinis. 
Yeah, they Betis. got they did a great job of getting that ball right right to the edge of the box. I mean, the Eastwood mm-hmm. goal is a good example. He gets the ball right around the little the D and makes a perfect pass to Perez, who's I mean, that run was open all day. The run right to like the edge of the six yard box off the side of the goal. Rangers were lighting that up all day and it bit him twice. Yeah. The Miranda one similarly comes from that same position. Yeah. So and then in the second half, Betis looked like they were going to take the lead multiple times. There were a lot of corners and set pieces mm-hmm. where they really seemed to be dominating the box. Um, they had a chance to go off the crossbar. Um, they had a chance fall to, I can't remember who it was. Do you remember who it was it fell to? Which one? Was it East? Um, where it sort of ends up right at the feet of Butland. And like it just sort of gets caught under the attacker's feet. I don't remember who it was, but... Um, but it ends up going off Butlin's leg, basically at point blank range. Yeah, and then uh, deflects off, um, deflects off a defender's hand. But um, because it came, that's the kind of thing that yeah, I expect yeah, I them remember. to call in Europe these days. But because, mm-hmm. but it was, it wouldn't, it would have been a super unfair it call. It was very natural. Like the hand is down by the side. He's yeah, running back for the goal, and it yeah bounces right. Yeah. From the goal. And there's yeah, another chance, Betis. Uh, yeah, that was actually from a free kick. That one, not a corner. Okay. And then Betis, uh, I believe, also has a disallowed goal for yeah, the 68 goes off a hand and was in an offside position. I think maybe both. I I thought he was in offside position. Yeah. But it was off his hand. Not the call. Yeah. The it was off his hand. He was offside. Yeah. It was off um Paris's hand. Yeah. The goal scorer. So Betis is kind of racking I up. I think Paris <laughs> touched that ball. I think he kind of. Yeah. I think that ball was going in regardless. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, they just sort of racked up chances from from inside the box. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one that deflects off Butland, it was Roca. It was point oh, yeah, seven yeah. xg chance according to Pop Pop Mob. He just couldn't get a hold of it. Um, and then it, and and then sloppiness in their own defensive box comes back to bite comes back to bite them. Uh, cross sort of like bops around. Yeah, and, it was the second phase of a corner. Yeah, and then. It was a weird corner, too. It deflects off a few people. Yeah, and they just kind of let the ball kind of play through. Yeah, and and it looks like as it falls to Kamar Roof. Kamar Roof! How about that? Uh, As it falls to Roof, uh, it looks like... It looks one of those situations where you're like, oh, there's offsides. Like, the players... The defense has stepped. But the problem is there was was still a defender guarding, like, the near post. So everything that happened behind the line of defense was was sort of open and very much onside. And he just sort of... He sort of dives, swoops it in past Silva for 3-2. Um, bit of a tough one for Betis. I feel like all three of the goals are ones like in a vacuum you shouldn't concede. Mm, um, yeah. So I think they'll feel they've done themselves, you know, a disservice here by playing some really nice football at times. And, you know, the thing is they outplayed Rangers, I think you could say, at Ibrox, and they lost that game too. Mm-hmm. So that's six points where if they have any of those – six points then they go through top here yes <laughs> um so and instead they have gone through third yeah. um and into the conference league which i will say tough for betsy's fans but between like them and ajax starting to accumulate and olympiacos too we're starting to accumulate some pretty good footballing sides yeah and already feel like we have a stronger base in that competition than last year i i'm was gonna say this later but i I think the Europa League and Conference League this year might be the strongest we've maybe ever seen them. I mean, Conference yeah. League obviously is the one. Durham Bros too, who we're going about to talk about has Conference a lot League, of quality. Only the third ver- version of it, but mm. even the Europa League. When I was, we had the, strong Europa League groups this yeah. year. There's a lot of really competitive teams. Our rankings. I was like, yeah, I can't believe this team is this far down. Like, they're know. so good. Like, how mm-hmm. am I? How are they? How would I have them at? There's not a lot of teams to shit on in it. Like, no. even the teams we're I about to get to group D that gets more engagement online. Even like. Rakow and Sturmgras have finished third and fourth, uh, or fourth and third, mm-hmm. um, in Group D, and you have to say neither. I both, I mean, neither one has done well in the group, but like, pretty strong teams overall. Like, yeah, I mean, in qualifiers, they both look really good. Rakow have been, I mean, it's the extra classes, so you never really know what the no. quality. But this is, is the like, first time. Like well, let's so just move to Group D since we're there. Yeah, yeah. We we're talking about since we're talking about the Polish side. Um, isn't this their first? Uh, Europa League campaign, I believe so. I believe so. Um, so just picking up any points is pretty good. And yeah, Sturmgras, we loved so much in the competition last year, so we maybe expected them to be a little tougher in this group. But if you look at their domestic form, it's excellent. And you know, Atalanta is not in great form in 
the league so much at this moment. They're on a little bit of a tough stretch, but yeah, them, but sporting sits atop their table. Like these are good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And anyway, both Atalanta and uh, sporting took care of their business pretty comfortably here today. That uh, and they confirmed. did to uh, give Raquel and Sergras a little credit. Atalanta did play a pretty standard lineup. There's a mm-hmm. few spots of rotation, notably the wingbacks. And yeah, um, not sure they really needed in, to, but, but they didn't need it. They, <laughs> they, did. they pretty much had sealed top. That's already sealed yeah. top spot, right? Because yes, because they had the tiebreaker. They had the tiebreaker of the sporting. So whatever, just for shits then. Yeah, and sporting also played a full lineup, even though I think they were pretty they were much confirmed through, second. Right? Pretty much confirmed second, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so those are Atalanta and Sporting are both very strong uh qualifiers mm-hmm. um amongst the sec that second tier of favorites in this competition. Yeah. Sturmgraz, I think, will be um maybe they're struggling a little bit more this year with the the balance of domestic yeah. and European, but because they're in an actual they're in a title race, race. in yeah, the title race, and they they took uh, Salzburg like, down to the final weeks last season. They're yeah. only two points clear of them now, about halfway through the season. And like Salzburg hasn't had an actual title race in years, so it's yeah. pretty so impressive. It could be that if you're Sturmgras, you're going to prioritize this once every decade. At this point, is what it looks like opportunity. Yeah. But the versus... conference league is also a competition they could actually, you know, we could see them make like a Basel esque run Absolutely, to the semis, yeah. given the right circumstances and draws. So. Yeah. Um, although as we could keep collecting strong teams in the conference league, uh, this first knockout stage, maybe that won't be the case. Yeah. Um, so in group E, um, what? Uh, in Union St. Gilles hosted Liverpool, a very heavily rotated Liverpool. Yeah. that you could say that. Yeah. Um, maybe one or two starters in there. Played guys that I hadn't even heard of. Uh, St. Gilles, they needed a victory. You know who Luke Chambers is? Yes. He plays. Do you know who Connor Bradley is? I do not know who Connor Bradley is. Do you know who Cade Gordon is? No. Yeah, there you go. No. Some I guys I've not heard of. Has played. Doak, I know. Yeah. Ben Doak, I've seen play before. Harvey Elliott. Kwanzaa. Played. Kwanzaa seems like a really promising young defender. Yeah. Uh, you know how I love Kelleher. He's yeah, my he favorite a, backup. He had a terrible game. I don't but, care. He's my favorite backup in England. Um, but, yeah. So, St. Gilles, they needed a win to keep their hopes of advancing out of the group alive as well as to ensure third place at minimum. Mm-hmm. And uh, they dominated. I know it's Liverpool's backups, but mm-hmm. I mean, and to be quite frank, maybe even a C team in a lot of these positions. Yes, definitely. But St. Joao were thorough in their control of this game. The scoreline does not reflect the gap in quality that we saw on the field. Um, so I just want to give a little bit of credit to St. Joao because, you know, it's mostly been talked down. I feel like by everybody because of how rotated Liverpool mm-hmm. were, but they were very, very good. Um, and and I think especially if Amora, this uh, so good, he's a superstar in the making. If this, uh, that's what they do. They, if yeah. this uh, group had started like two months later, I think Saint Wales would probably be going through second because we talked about a little bit how they struggled the first month or two of the season. Since then, they've been absolute lights out there. They've worked up an eight-point gap at the top of the table in Belgium because they just keep winning over game after game after game. They've won many in a row. Um, they've only conceded 18 goals in 18 games in the league. So yeah, they're they're looking more and more like they're like uh generations past we've seen. Yeah, um, it was tough too at the start of the year because they were replacing two yeah. of their probably their two key players. Yeah, but much like their uh, older up. brother Brighton, they <laughs> they, they just they just they just do it over and over again. They just replace guys with other guys, um, including Kevin McAllister, uh, Lexi McAllister's brother, yeah. who I think is older than him, but I whatever. Like um, a year older? Yeah. He's, yeah, so whatever. Yeah, it's St. Joe's. I don't want to see them in the conference league either. No, but that game was all for naught for the Belgian side as Toulouse came out 2-1 victors over Losk, the Austrian side. Um, and this was another, This was also pretty comprehensive. Mm-hmm. For Toulouse, but it's pretty even. They game. struggled scoring. I I thought watching that Toulouse looked way better. The stats on the, the chances were looked, fairly even. Yeah, were much more even than I thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's largely just because of some of the spells that Losk had when they did come at Toulouse. Um, but I was I thought Toulouse were a lot better when I watched the game the first time, but. The stats seem to indicate something else, uh, but they only needed one point. They got 
all three. It was a actually surprisingly late winner from Suazo in the 83rd minute to send them through. Yeah, Toulouse probably going to end up being an underdog in that uh in this first round of knockouts mm-hmm. when they face a Champions League dropout. Yeah. Um, but they've proved pretty scrappy. You know, they could probably do with getting knocked out so that they don't get relegated. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but this did. has been a nice journey for them. They're gonna make some money. They did beat Liverpool, right? Yeah. So I mean, if you can beat Liverpool, you can probably beat anybody. Did they dropped. beat Liverpool? Didn't they? I thought they did. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I remember and that. I remember you that. Beat Liverpool, you can probably beat. Yeah, Liverpool's probably the favorite in this competition, so, right? It's them or Leverkusen. Leverkusen, Leverkusen. yeah, yeah. Ahead. Liverpool, uh, yeah, we're recording on the Sunday. They had a frustrating draw against United today, mm-hmm. which game they dominated and should have won, but it is what it is. Aston Villa is going to win the league. Um, let's move on to Group F, um, where we had our other contender for match of the day, Villarreal defeating Rennes in France, 3-2. to two. Um and this was also a bit of a wild one. Um, not quite as open as the Betis mm-hmm. um, Rangers game, but crazy because of how quickly responses were made from goals yeah. scored. For instance, <laughs> uh, Moreno knocks in a penalty. Not much of a penalty, whatever. It's the Europa League. They call that soft shit. Mm-hmm. Moreno scores a penalty to put them up. Un- mind you, Villarreal uh, has to win to jump Ren. Yes. To finish first. Um, Moreno scores a penalty. Um, he does a celebration that the Ren players do not like. Uh, I can't tell the exactly. Didn't like it either. The he got a yellow. Line. I can't. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what he was instigating, but he I did. I think he was doing some, some sort of clown the thing. Fans. Yeah. Um, he was clowning the fans. Yeah. I. It was a reference that went over my head. Whatever. Yeah. He was Hopefully doing, it wasn't race related. It, I mean, <laughs> unless it was about French people, then that's okay. Like, well, how could he race with it? just, a white guy? Uh, majority white. I guy. don't know. Just that's the kind of gesture you know could get you in trouble if you're not be, if you're being. Yeah. I think between Spain and France, you're probably. Yeah. yeah. So then, uh, whatever they line up, kick off, deep ball, uh, chest from Asignon, the wing back. Uh, he take it's a it's, first of all it's a perfect ball. Yeah, and he chests it uh, like outside the eighteen on the right flank. Mm-hmm. He chests it in a brilliant way that lands right at his foot, going towards the end line. Yeah, he cuts back, sits the defender down, and then puts it through Pepe Rena's legs into the goal. Yeah, it, literally sure. seconds after the kickoff, probably like six seconds the after the kickoff. Never let the ball go through his legs. No, but at that brilliant. angle, I'm almost like, oh well, that was fine. There's no way he can get it between. Everyone thought he'd be cutting it back. It was absolutely brilliant skill from us. It was maybe the best goal I saw. I mean, obviously, you're a chump to give that goal up, right? Uh, Literally off the kickoff. Mm -hmm. But the level of skill that that took from Asignon to uh, track track the ball perfectly, take a perfect touch with his chest, take a perfect touch on the chest back, and then take a perfect touch on the finish Mm -hmm. is like damn near impossible. Um, One of the best goals you'll ever see. And that wasn't the only time um, that there was a goal pretty much off of a kickoff because after they traded goals again um, in the second half at 2-2, uh, Blas's equalizer for Ren was almost immediately canceled out off the kickoff mm-hmm. from Villarreal. This time it took a really lovely move that built up through the entire uh, phase, through like all three phases of the, of the Villarreal team. So it wasn't like one deep ball, mm-hmm. one piece of skill. It was kind of the opposite um, build up to a goal, but it was equally fantastic. Touched like right. ha- like at least half the team on the way to uh, Parejo finishing from a lovely give and go outside to inside the box. Um, and that's enough for Villarreal to win 3-2 because what happened at the end of the game, David? And well, the nine in the 90 plus 11th minute of the game, what happened? At the end of the game in, uh, what was it, the 97th, 98th minute? It was, Ren have a, it was later. It was even later than that? Yeah. Ren have a free kick opportunity near the edge of the box. And I can't remember who actually took it because it wasn't LaFay who ends up. It, it was 90 plus 11. 90, Jesus, plus 11. Or plus 10. Uh, and it's a great free kick. It goes right off the crossbar, mm-hmm. almost got through, bounces all the Absolute way back thumper. out. And the player who took the free kick then kind of recycles the ball. It gets back to the feet of Enzo LaFay who rips a great shot that hits the back of the net ren go wild they've secured top of the group they're going to get the ren plays the song they play when they 
It's and, like the and it goes on for like a minute of like pulsating through the crowds like boom, 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 and boom, at boom. some point the assistant referee's flag goes up. Not the main referee, the assistant referee flag goes mm-hmm. up, and then the main ref blows the whistle for an indirect free kick. Wrongly, uh, a lot of the commentators and analysts have been like, where's the offside? Where's the offside? Yeah. At least in the English speaking role. I it wasn't very well French. covered on the broadcast. No, um, just I think the confusion around it. Like the, yeah. nobody knew what was happening because they let it, the celebration go on for so long. Even I was trying to read the uh, whatever the, the play-by-play too. Mm-hmm. And it just said like goal, VAR, goal disallowed or whatever. And I was like, yeah. that's not helpful. <laughs> I don't know. I... This is the type of thing where VAR gets criticized for it. This is the referee making a mistake. But uh, the issue that had happened was the player who took the free kick, it hits off the crossbar, goes right back to him. And the player who takes the free kick cannot be the first player to touch the ball mm. after the free kick. It's a brutal way to lose. Which, like, the rule, you get why it exists, right? For penalties, mm-hmm. um, for mm. not allowing players to, like, set themselves off off of one touch on a free kick to get the wall to move. Um mm. Situations like that, but this is such a unfortunate, unique situation where it's just it's a shame because it took away a great goal, completely brutal way to lose and to lose top spot in a group, like yeah. very but consequential. Is, unfortunately, the rules. It's just a um, bummer. It's like, just, yeah, it just put, sapped all the momentum. It's not. Um, that's no way to. That's no way to lose a game. And then we should also say, um, we hope that Matteo Gavia is doing well. He was carted off and rushed to the hospital late in this game after colliding with the knee of a teammate uh, with the knock himself. Well, I guess it didn't knock himself, but he was knocked unconscious. So Brutal. I had to be rushed to the hospital. So Villarreal will be missing him, surely. He's yeah. a key piece in their defense. Yeah, overall, I mean, Villarreal played a pretty good game, especially on the road. Um, but, you know, they, ha- they haven't been very good in this group until the last few weeks. So maybe in the end they – you could call them a bit fortunate to oh yeah to pip Ren for the top here and Ren will feel like they've kind of let the group go here. Yeah. Um elsewhere, Maccabi Haifa gets a surprise win in Panathinaikos mm-hmm. uh to qualify third and uh and move on, eliminating Panathinaikos yeah. from Europe. Panathinaikos is another one of those teams that started much like AEK, Athens, mm-hmm. Ike. Athens started really strong the first two weeks. Yeah, it was a very promising group stage for the Greeks. And teams. looked really uh looked really good, like like they were playing some exciting high quality football, and then I think I've lost four in a row again. Yeah, and it um, was um, Jaren Cherry who scored the second goal. And put Cherry, we know Cherry, Cherry from last year. On top, uh-huh, we know Cherry from last year. Yes, good player. Um, yeah, so congrats to Maccabi Haifa. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an impressive result. And then and uh, we'll be seeing them in the Conference League. We've won a Group G, which was um, uh, chalk. Was pretty much decided. Uh, just Roma and Slavia Prague still technically playing for first place. Mm-hmm. Roma needed to win and have Slavia not win. Mm-hmm. Um, but Roma, they took care of their business 3-0. Really the only interesting moment was Pasilli scoring on his debut, having been at the club since he was nine and crying on the field a little bit. <laughs> Just kind of cute. Um, and Slavia Prague, they took care of business even more. What a fucking loser. What a oh fucking little crybaby. Anti-Roma. What a little crybaby. I, I thought Roma was teaching these guys to be tough, to be warriors. Warriors have a Romans are supposed actually. to be warriors. Oh my god. Uh that game didn't really matter though because Slavia Prague won four nothing over Serbet. Yeah, what a group, what a group Ooh. performance yeah. from Slavia. They took care of all of their business at home. They only the only drop points was at Roma. Um, and, um I do want to say rewatching those highlights, Zafiris. Uh, I think he was Norwegian midfielder. He's incredible. Yeah. He's gonna be so so good. Yeah, Slavia is going to be one of those ones. Who knows what can happen, especially with in smaller leagues between now and knockouts. Yeah. But especially because a lot of these guys are being put in the international window for the first time yeah. ever, and like January can be can hit teams from these. I don't want to say second or third tier leagues, but that's fair. I'm going to have to. It's fair. It can hit these teams from these leagues a little harder than it does you know, the European team from top league. So, yeah. So we'll see what happens there, but if they remain intact and playing this well, then that's going to be a trap fixture oh, for, yeah. for they some, could... t- some team who draws them. Cause you know, they're going to think, wow, we avoided like the Liverpool's and the Milan's or whatever. And then that, next thing you know, say we avoided Roma and yeah. get Slavia Prague instead. Yeah. Be shocked. Uh, yeah. I'd rather play Roma. You know who I really don't want to draw though? Leverkusen. Draw. Uh, because they, 
beat Molda 5-1 despite playing pretty much all their backups and Molda needing to win to stay alive um, and just dominated. Yeah, this like, group was mostly mostly done anyway. Yeah. Um, Leverkusen but... were the only team to have a positive goal difference. <laughs> how bad they beat everybody by. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Hekian finished as probably the worst team uh, to perform in the Europa League I, this year. I think, I think it's, it's not, not even, even really close. close. Yeah. yeah, they got hammered in pretty much every uh, game they played. Tarabad, they finished with a minus 14 goal differential on zero points. Yeah, only three goals. on, um, And just the quality of play was so much lower yeah. than you would have hoped. And it's that. a little tough because, yeah, for a Swedish champion, you'd think yeah, they'd be a little more competitive. The difficult thing, though, is that, you know, like, they were obviously finishing up their league uh and ended up winning their league with a few games still to play. Yeah. So once their once their prospects were already doomed, I'm suppose it's probably hard to get up for it. Um especially when you're already getting the shit beat out of you every week, you know. They can still, you know, be proud of their domestic performance. But you'd yeah. think you'd maybe hope to take a point at least out of this. Yeah. Um Carabag is gonna be a pretty decent uh yeah. although they had a very unfortunate red card uh for Besovich in the game he's a key veteran piece on that mm-hmm. team and that could be huge in uh deciding the knockout playoff round because yeah that defense is already pretty thin mm-hmm. uh so losing they could be one of the defender. weakest teams through as well yeah something to keep an eye on when we get our draws soon the, that attack is still pretty dangerous Zubir's yeah. a very talented player um andrade is really good and you still have to go to azerbaijan yeah you know, Juninho like, yeah reanimated yeah I guess, he's probably not dead yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's probably he's probably like forty five. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, yeah. Anyway, that's the Europa League. Uh, looking forward to those draws. Mm-hmm. Uh, elsewhere, the Conference League also happened. Um, I hate to say it, but there weren't quite as many exciting fixtures no, um, as there were in the Europa League. The games were a little cool. more damp. Uh, this is especially true in Group A. That was virtually decided. I think it. Was, um, I think it was decided. No, I think Slovan could have jumped Leal. If, oh sure, uh, Lille had lost and yeah. won. But... Unfortunately, uh, Lille had three penalties given and, and scored, red, and two red cards. against Klaxvik, and Klaxvik accumulated two red cards. They were late. Yeah, well, to be fair, uh, there were two of the penalties. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, it's another example of Klaxvik actually playing a competitive game against a much better team on paper. You know, if you take away the penalty xgs, they basically had the same yeah um, non penalty xg as Lille. Um, and yeah, as David said, it was one nil until the 87th minute. That's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, yeah. he's gotten some crazy results, including drawing Lille at home. They got their first European win against Olympia Ljubljana. Unfortunately, they do end up finishing below Ljubljana because Ljubljana picks up uh, a winner against Slovan. Um, not that it really matters because third place doesn't matter, um, except for bragging rights. So that's the end of Group A. We loved watching Key. Yeah, and um, their season is officially over, having won the title in the Faroe Islands. Ljubljana as well. They're not yeah, a team that's they bounced back as well. Um, so. They look like by far the worst team in the group after they lost to Key, mm-hmm. but then responded by beating Key and ended up being pretty respectable and competitive the last few weeks. Yeah, uh, if we move on to Group B, then where. Well, I think we should start with the bottom battle for bottom where Zoria battle. Um, I love battling for bottom. Zoria beat Brethoblik 4 0. Brethoblik, who'd been competitive in pretty much every game bar the one Ghent one, uh-huh. um, they got just absolutely blown out. This was yeah, kind of a shame. Uh, but at the top of the group, Maccabi Tel Aviv, they finished top and they get the bye because they beat Ghent 3 to 1 in they Cyprus. Do. Good week for the Israelis yeah. amongst our winners this week. Mm-hmm. I. You'd think, yeah, oh, yeah. definitely, uh, especially considering that they're not playing at home. No, um, but Ghent, like, I mean, I think Ghent thought this might be a kind of easy rollover game. Like, okay, we'll go through top, we'll at least get mm-hmm. a or worse, get a draw. Yeah. But Maccabi Tel Aviv, they had other ideas, dominated the game. They yeah. were definitely the better team there. Aaron Zahavi with a brace, he's thirty six and still putting in these kind of performances. I mean, yeah, Ghent will definitely player. be disappointed they didn't win this group. Especially if they end up with one of those tougher third place Europa League yeah, teams. Looking and, at who dropped down, this is yeah. no gimme for Ghent. Yeah, it could be a big result for them. Um, and congratulations, Tel Aviv. In Group C, we had a pair of three nil wins. Dinamo Zagreb um, took care of business against Balkani, but not until a 69th minute go ahead uh, goal. 
Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Pilsen keeps just racking up wins in this group. Um, this they've had a first one by more than a goal. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. They go perfect through the group. Uh, six games, uh, nine scored, one conceded. Yeah. Um, probably their best game. Uh, yeah. I mean, I get Astana were for all intents and purposes eliminated. They and they're on the road. Astana at home versus on the road are probably yeah. different stories. Although Astana, I think their only win was on the road, wasn't it? At a Balkani? Was it? I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> we don't know what we're talking about. Um, but this was probably Pilsen's best performance. 28 mm-hmm. shots, 3.5. I had 3.54 XG. Mm-hmm. Only allowed one shot on target. And Good luck create, scoring like, on these guys, man. Yeah, they are. These guys are impenetrable. Score. The at Czech least in Europe, will be in the winner conversation. Yeah, well, for sure. they're not impenetrable in the league, but no. but that, <laughs> I mean, it's a tough league. Too, it is, but yeah, at, at least at the top. I mean, those top. Oh, very much so. Yeah, good. look at Slovatsko go back in the conversation. We'd love to have Slovatsko yeah. back in yeah. the uh, in Europe next year. Keep it going, boys. Um. So yeah, this group was uh pretty was was decided already. Um. Pilsen and now first. it's official. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it wasn't technically decided because no, Astana could have jumped, or sorry, Balkani could have jumped Zagreb, or Astana could have. Astana would jump Balkani on head to head, so they needed Balkani to win and them to win. Yeah. Uh, but didn't happen. Second straight year for Balkani, uh, in the conference league, another, yeah. uh, you know, another respectable performance. Yeah, it's one of the teams that benefits a lot from this competition. Yeah, and we'll probably keep seeing them building yeah. a good reputation here. Yeah. Even though they have a, a a team logo that a club logo that looks kind of like an AYSO uh, advertisement, yeah. uh, Group D, uh, Club Brugge defeated Bodo Glimt three to one, and Besiktas finally fucking won a game two nil <laughs> at Lugano. Uh, Besiktas, I know yeah, they've had a pretty totally embarrassing. They've had a tough go of it. They and the win actually means that on goal difference that they jump Lugano. Uh, congratulations to them yeah. for not finishing last. Um, their only win of the groups, the group. Um, yeah, and Club Brugge having a good season domestically. No, by, not by their standards. Well, like, it's okay. Most teams, you would say, like, oh, fifth in Turkish league is pretty That's good. About but, right for them. Yeah, they're what fourteen points behind Fenerbahce and Galatasaray, who yeah, they like normal. to hold themselves out. No, to be, they never do. They they, they really hold do. themselves out to being the third team. Yeah, but so not to be good. that far off, the pace, I guess I think is a little. I guess I think it's a bad year by. They're admittedly lofty standards. Um, I don't know. Uh, Brugge, obviously the clear best team in this group. Yeah. Perfect record. Um, Bodo's a good well, second one, place one team. One draw. I'm sorry. Near perfect record. Bodo's are Bodo's a really good second team. They've gone sort of from meh to good um, in the past three months, four months. So I think you know they've played themselves into a pretty good position. Although, as we all know, uh, as one of the teams that league is finished also congratulations they're champions um that means they'll be sitting on their ass for the next two months before they play another before they start their season um again with knockout games which is tough but we've seen them do it before successfully so who knows if anyone can do it it's boda uh group e uh alkmaar uh had the last uh piece of stake driven into them uh by (laughs) by legio warsaw they've had a pretty embarrassing campaign um after making the semifinals last a year piece of steak they took meat and a steak like it. a vampire steak the steak has been uh, thrust into them the way you said piece of steak I oh yeah like, no <laughs> a nice a nice chunk of gristle has been uh has been ground into them um they they've just had a totally embarrassing campaign um yeah, after you know competing down to the wire against west ham in the semis last year they end up not even within touching distance of Legia in second here, finishing uh, with just two wins and four draws, including that ridiculous loss at Drinsky. Yeah, um, that was the worst one of the group stage. I worst think. loss in, in Europe this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Like you were up three nothing on a yeah. team that has never been here before. No, and and is not be, very good. <laughs> to be honest, is not even close to the quality no. that you would expect. Of they're not even first in Azed to be competing. They're not even first in the Bosnian league. No, uh, and. Uh-huh. Just to blow it in the second half like that, and yeah, yeah, it's what set them up for this. It was yeah. a terrible start to the group, set them up for failure, and here they are. Yeah, and to be fair, uh, Drinsky got a late equalizer at home against Villa against a heavily rotated Villa, but still, like, not a terrible team. They put out a pretty solid yeah, players, guys like Diaby and Zaniola. I don't know who the hell this goalkeeper is, but they put they put it get they put some real they put a beat, former a proper conference. yeah 
former Conference League winners in that squad. Yeah, it wasn't like Liverpool who put out like a C team. It was like a B. It was like a solid B team. Yeah, it might even be a B plus. Like it's a good team. Some, there's some starters in. There. Yeah. So you know, Villa didn't really need to do anything for this game, but no. But uh, but full still, credit to Drinsky because that's going to be they competed hard like, in that's some the of these. Type of result that stays with the club and yeah, they the club lore. yeah they competed really hard in this group. The um, that deserve credit result, but yeah, they deserve credit. Um, Villa had already sealed top spot, so yeah. uh, well. Maybe they needed a draw. They needed, I think, technically, Legia could pass them, but Legia needed to win by three. Yeah, they would need right, a difference. Think, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it was a, uh, it was a uh, more notable for the Alkmaar performance, I think, than anything else. Yeah, I mean, and then there was a red card in the second half for Ozed that really just sealed the game. I once mm-hmm. it was just Josui Joseu. I can't pronounce his name. I've heard it so many times, and I still can't pronounce it. Who? Uh Right winger for Legia. Oh, Jose. Josue. Josue. Yeah, Portuguese. Portuguese. I can't do Portuguese. Dude, I can't believe Martin Zindi is is on yeah. is only thirty one. I remember him at like twenty fourteen yeah. on the Dutch but national team. And Jose drew the foul Josue. on Zindi. Josue. Josue. That's what I'm going to choose to believe. He had both the assists. The first one, absurd little chip. The that may have gone in anyway, but Rivero made sure of it, but. Yeah, should we move on to Group F, which uh fitting group for the top two teams in it? Indeed, they both, uh, Finnish Bonhoeffs and Fiorentina draw 1-1, both doing enough to qualify in first and second. Yeah. Uh, Fiorentina just loved to do just enough. Yeah, uh, really they, they were down 1-0 for a while in the second half, yeah. pulled one back in the 73rd minute to make sure they would finish top of the group. Yeah, um, like, they were definitely deserving of at least a point, I thought, in this one. They played... Pretty well, especially Maxi. They usually Lopez. are. Yeah, especially Maxi Lopez, who mm-hmm. pretty much by himself controlled the entire pace of play for both teams. Yeah, impressed by him. They but didn't. They didn't translate a lot the of most, their box activity to yeah. shots on target. The most notable thing, though, from that game was Nico Gonzalez getting injured in the twentieth minute. He's got a grade two. I think it was his hamstring. Mm-hmm. Uh, strain, see that. and that's the same injury that caused him at this time last year to miss the World Cup. I hate to see he that. Was originally called up. Hate to see and that. And had to miss it. Um, yeah, he's gonna be out two to three months. Ugh, so that's tough. Be back maybe for the next knockout round, but mm-hmm. huge loss for Fiorentina. Yeah, best player probably. Yeah, yeah. I'd say so. Um, yeah. So they march on. Um, much like last year mm-hmm. in this competition, except instead of uh, uh, the uh claret and blue side from East London, they have a claret and blue side from Birmingham. Yeah. Um, as their co-favorite, as hopefully on the other side of the bracket, because I really like the idea of this. Be really this funny. Year, happen again against a red and blue team from England. Yeah. Would be great. Claret and blue. Claret and blue. Uh, yeah. So elsewhere, Gank beat Kukuriki. Um, it doesn't, really, didn't matter. Yeah, they didn't matter. Pretty straightforward win for Gank, but didn't yeah, matter. Uh, Group G. Pauk uh, continued their impressive performance in the group stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took care of HJK. Um, it's the most points ever collected by a Greek team in a group stage. Is it really? In Europe. I should. Maybe someone's done you it. You mean all of them? All of the Greek Yeah, teams. all of the points? Yeah. Well, 16. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they, I mean, the the what really uh, sealed their uh, legendary performance, uh, at least for their fans, in this uh, group was doing the double over Frankfurt. Yeah. Um, away and at home. Very impressive. And you remember who we talked about in the preview of these group stages? Uh, we talked about one young player <laughs> on Pal, Giannis Constantelius. Oh, Giannis. Yeah. Another great game from him. He can do everything. He's going to be, he's the player that I'm putting, my, I'm putting my money on becoming 20. a superstar. Yeah. And uh, Frankfurt didn't have a whole lot to play for here, but they, they did go and play. lose to Aberdeen. Um, which is a great win for Aberdeen, but yeah, I don't sh- sure Frankfurt I mean, doesn't really care. No, this was a I mean both squads I think were pretty much fully yeah. rotated. Yeah. Um Aberdeen obviously with a huge Aberdeen scored a few other four shots. Yeah. Um but for Frankfurt, gotta say, probably most disappointing team in the conference league so far. Yeah. They've been pretty you could lose away to Pauk, but you can't lose at home. They've no. been pretty uninspiring going three oh and three. Um and for Aberdeen too, I mean, honestly, it's it's kind of disappointing to see them come third when you consider where they drop points. I mean, it's the two draws, the two to HJK, HJK that yeah. are what 
eliminated them here. I mean, yeah, you think if they had won, if yeah, they were in a position where Frankfurt needed a win here. Mm-hmm. Frankfurt would have played a stronger team, but Aberdeen probably would have played a stronger team too. They, they could have been matchups. at least been in a position to pressure Frankfurt for that two spot. Yeah, if they if they had won those HJK games, even yeah, if so. they had taken four points instead of two. Yeah, so um, in hindsight, those much harsher yeah. results than maybe we thought they were at the time. Uh, but yeah, you got to win every game that yeah. you can, that you're even if it's on turf. Yeah. Uh, finally, Group H. Um, saw the probably the most drama in in the tournament. Yeah. Um, in on one hand, Fenerbahce took easy care of bottom dwellers Spartak Trnava, mm-hmm. while Ludogorets and Norchland uh battled it out um for for the uh, for supremacy um this was a this was a tough group because you know it kind of feels like all three teams did enough to deserve to go through Norchland has a very high xg um but it came down to whether they could hold a result on the road in a tough place and they couldn't a 79th minute winner of Piotrowski sends Ludogorets through mm-hmm. to the knockouts and sends Norchalon harshly home. Yeah. Um, we should add a little bit that everything online, like there's been some complaints about the referee. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a little bit of it. There were definitely some controversial calls to keep uh, Ludogorets at 11 players mm-hmm. and a, a controversial no penalty decision mm-hmm. that was waived uh, for Norchalon that was just waved off by the referee. Um but he was pretty bad just throughout the game. Yeah. So I don't think it was like intentional home cooking. It's just, yeah, he was a bad referee. Um, and what people are going to see, I think if they were just to peruse the groups here is that Fenerbahce and Ludogorets go through on 12 points versus Norchalens 10, but Fenerbahce with a plus two goal difference, Ludogorets with a zero goal difference and Norchaland with a plus 10 it's are the ones that are eliminated. To be fair, they did have two games where they ran up the score. But it's against the two. Teams. But they're against the two teams above them, and it wasn't like they just dominated Sparta. Yeah, like, they scored the most goals in the group. They conceded the fewest. Mm-hmm. So one wonders how that ended up not being one of the two teams to advance. I'm sure they'll be wondering that. I think because they drew against Sparta. Yeah, like it's that's literally the reason. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard. It's harsh, and it's like. But and I will say, as a neutral observer here, like the football that Norchland was able to play at times. At I, home, we should say only at home. Sure, I mean, but yeah. they played they played Ludogorets toe to toe today. It was kind of it was a toss yeah. up. Well, I was saying like they're pretty football. Like when they were able to play, yeah, like in the aesthetic aesthetic style that I thought you were referencing, like that was at home. Sure, I mean, but they played well. They played pretty well. Oh yeah, in yeah, this yeah. game, yeah. they were still decent on the road. Yeah, yeah. It was, but they took a very different approach. But if I like Fenerbahce. They're exciting, whatever. They have the big time, big name players. Mm-hmm. But between these two teams, if I had to pick one just to cover, I would have rather watched Norchland, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. Also, they're more fun to watch. They also have a lot of young, promising players. Yeah. That, like, would have been more fun to talk about. Yeah. But, I mean, Ludogrets deserve to go through. They got, yeah, they won. From this group. Yeah, they won. Uh, this is actually the most points collected by a team who failed to qualify since Napoli in 2013-14. Harsh. Who picked up 12 points, which is like the most you can pick up and not qualify. Yeah, that's Um, harsh. Maybe Norshland at least um, will learn some lessons and be back stronger. They're not actually doing that great in the the league, although the league is tight. Yeah, so if you come fourth, you have a good chance to get in, right? I suppose, yeah. I they're in fifth right now, but they're only, you know, it's it's, off, right? it's really tight between, like, sixth and first. So, um, yeah, hopefully they make it back next year and we get to see some of that again. But yeah. otherwise, Ludogorets got the job done, and that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be the end of our group stage match day six uh, coverage. But never fear. It's not the last pod of the, of the, of the calendar year. Um, yeah. Once we get some draws... For that first playoff round, um, we will be covering that, and uh, we're going to be doing a pod, uh, revisiting all the best stuff in the group stage, mm-hmm. all the best results, the best players, the worst results, the worst players, the best teams, the worst teams. Um, Besiktas. <laughs> so you know, there's plenty of content to come, and uh, until then, yeah, and the uh, draw. For those listening, right when this comes out, it's going to be Monday, December 18th, 12, which uh, is Grand Meridian time, 7, our local Eastern Standard time. Yeah. Um, 
which is uh, 3 a.m. ET. And this pod will be up very soon after that. So yeah, well, so we'll be talking probably over Zoom this week about mm-hmm. the draw and revisiting those past uh the past group stage. Um, so stay with us for another exciting episode next week. Um, in the meantime, do you have a do you have a favorite Cheers candidate? I kind of feel like the Rangers guys should get a Cheers. Yeah, he also just Clements. won. He also just won a cup final today against Aberdeen. Um, and he started to close the gap in the league against Celtic. Now he's only five points back. Um, and he did. Uh, feel like Clement's been really. We strong. kind of ragged on him a lot when he was at Monaco. So I feel mm-hmm. like it's only fair that we now give. Yeah, him since he's taken credit. over his twelve matches, one three. Sorry, one nine, <laughs> drawn three, lost none. Yeah, I think he's well worthy going into going into uh, Sevilla and taking Betis to task, taking that yeah. top spot from them. I think he deserves a shout out here. So that's she, yeah. No, 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 no. He did well with Bruga, but that was right before we started covering. So I was going to say maybe he did get a cheers before, but that would have been before. We no, I don't think he did. Yeah. We definitely um, criticized him when he was at Monaco. So yeah. I think it's only fair. Yeah. So, so, Philippe Clement, fucking cheers, bro. Fucking cheers, bro. Fraud. Not a bald fraud, a bald success. Cheers. Cheers.